The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Countdown begins to Christmas, officially. The month of December is upon us, and uh, everyone has been calling for a Santa Claus rally. Everyone has been saying with the market up over 20%, history, history indicates it should be up another 3 to 5% when everyone is saying something. I have to have my little BS detector up and high and say, you got to think the other way. Uh, you just do. It's just a matter of probabilities. I don't want to be a Scrooge. I don't want to be a bah humbug. It's been a good year. There's issues out there, um, but there's optimism out there as well. And... I say to you, my friends, Merry Christmas in advance. Uh, let's uh, talk about uh, spending some money, shall we? You know, Jack and I are always talking about building wealth, compounding, saving, but you know, we get to enjoy some of the money too. And well, Christmas certainly is a good excuse uh, to uh, enjoy some of the uh, wealth that uh, we have created. And don't forget to give back, my good friends. Lots of good causes out there. It's our responsibility to give back, make the world a better place for all of us to live in. And speaking of which, technology. Uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, I, the word metaverse is now in my vocabulary. Rob Young, actually one of our analysts, is an expert in the space. Good news is we do have exposure to the metaverse. But I bought a new car, and uh, after 18 years of um, living beneath my means and uh, being practical, I've said to you before, my good friends, a lease on a car, at a $1,000 lease on a car, or a compounding strategy of investments could be a $2 million delta. My point is, if you take the bus rather than leasing the car, and you, you compound that money in the market for 25 years or 30 years or 35, basically the life of a career, it'd be $2 million. One small habit change can be life-changing in itself. Anyway, so after 18 years, I finally bought a new car. I gave my boys the 18-year-old car to learn how to drive in, and they too are going to live beneath their means. Very important to keep kids humble. You don't want them to be the opposite. Not good. No, not good. But uh, my new car, an Audi, uh, loaded to the nines because there was only one available. No deals to be had. Take it or leave it. And well, after 18 years, my boys getting the license, I had to take it. And I did. And I bought the extended warranty on it, which I never do. Never buy the extended warranty, but with a car that I plan on keeping and the amount of technology in it, I had to buy the extended warranty. But uh, what really got me uh, what, is all of a sudden my, my utility of four wheels to get me reliably and safely from A to B has advanced into a tech machine, uh, an audio experience that I haven't had since I was a teenager, I must say. The, the sound system in the car, uh, bang, and Olufsen, beautiful. But the, the, the treat du jour was I didn't have to lug in all my cassette tapes or my eight tracks my CDs, perhaps? Nope, left them all in the house. I don't have eight tracks, by the way, nor cassettes, but I do have a lot of vinyl, and I have a lot of CDs, but I didn't have to move them from car to car because I just took my cell phone, and I lay it on the console, didn't plug it in, and bammo, it is communicating to me. It was unbelievable the way this vehicle communicates through my network and my cell, and Apple's iTunes now up and running for the first time. Uh, what an experience. Uh, 
wow, I really do feel like a kid in a candy shop with this toy. But uh, again, we're speaking about Christmas, uh, speaking about technology. Uh, who else better to speak to about the latest and greatest gadgets than an expert in audiovisual? And that is Mr. Ryan Wright, Babler Radio. Uh, Ryan, uh, top of the season to you, my good friend. How are tricks? And tell us, what are some of the hottest items right now in the world of audiovisual that people are just uh, can't get enough of for the holiday season? Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on, uh, first and foremost. Um, I mean, I'm kind of more on the custom side of audio video, so I'm kind of leaning more towards a lot of people are, are coming to me for, you know, custom theater rooms, media rooms, tying in, you know, big TVs, projectors and screens with good sound, something that gives them a good experience when they watch the football game or a movie or what have you, or kids gaming. So I see a lot of that going on. I see a lot of multi-room audio with ceiling speakers, uh, in most cases controlled by an app on a phone throughout a house, which a lot of people really enjoy. And, and that way you don't see anything. So it's very clean and it sounds it can sound quite good. Um, as far as like the smaller type items, certainly headphones are doing very, very well. Uh, even small radios don't have a lot of technology are still doing very well. Of course, streaming speakers, all those kind of small things, those are those are doing well. My my side of it tends to be more in the putting together kind of systems that are you know going to be in somebody's home that are more than a couple of pieces to them. So that's the the world I'm immersed in right now. Uh, supply chain, supply chain, supply chain is going to be coined as a phrase for 2021, and I don't believe it'll be the theme of 2022. Uh, the, the, those ships at sea will make their way into port through port and get back to sea but i understand that there are a lot of ships remaining at sea anchored waiting to get into the port and they are just backed up uh, i'm waiting for a bathroom sink i've been that, that, that thing was ordered months ago i got the stand but i didn't get the porcelain part and i continue to wait no hope in sight also by the way i'm trying to get a couple of toilet seats sure you couldn't get toilet paper now i can't get toilet seats <laughs> so uh <laughs> In, deal, in dealing with some of the wiring on my home run, you know, I'm going through a home renovation. My my electrician said he can't get clamps. He can't get all these parts that he needs to put the house together. Uh, there must be supply chain issues, certainly in the world of uh, electronics with all the semiconductors and, and the likes that uh, you pack into a box. Absolutely. Yeah. The semiconductor shortage has been an issue for quite a while now, of course. The price increases that we've seen is another thing, and you know all kinds of reasons for that. The cost of shipping containers, the backlog, the labor shortages, the you know all it takes is one one piece that's required out of a, a, a thousand pieces to make something, and if it's short, suddenly the pieces uh, you can't produce it. So there's definitely been a more than our share of product shortages. There's definitely been quite a number of price increases over the last six months. Some vendors have even increased more than once in the last six months. So. It's definitely been a, an interesting world to navigate through as far as when you're putting together systems that have 20, 30, 50 items and trying to actually have all of them ready for an installation. It's not easy. You know, it's quite remarkable. I, I, I have this visual of something I learned about years ago. Jack, this is actually military speak. Uh, it was the spoke that cost the battle, uh, whereby the spoke broke, the wheel fell off, the carriage couldn't take the cannon to the battlefield, they lost the war because of a spoke you you speak of a chip that one little chip out of a thousand parts if it doesn't make its way into the product you can't ship the product and therefore that affects of course revenue it affects sales uh it, it affects because uh, it affects everything it, it's very very fascinating 
And I just wonder, it was coming through the pandemic and COVID uh, event, at some point we will get uh, on top of this uh, uh, pandemic that we are continuing to deal with. Um, but will manufacturing change? Will there be more made-at-home manufacturing? I'm going to say when it comes to the world of electronics, I highly doubt it. I think Taiwan continues to be one of the dominant producers, certainly of semiconductors, uh, as is that whole you know part of Asia. Uh, can, can you speak to that, Ryan? What's, what's your uh, guesstimation on it? I mean, obviously, there's there's some brands that we deal with that are a little more artisanal, and they, you know, some of them are actually made in the USA or even Canada and so forth. So, of course, yeah, speak to that, please. They're they're still facing challenges because even though the stuff's manufactured here, it doesn't mean that all the parts that they use in those products come from here. So, you know, yeah, I no, but sorry, but you're you're talking Mac and you're talking Macintosh now, by the way, which is a very yeah. sexy brand, well, uh, made in made in New York State, make make made in New York State, I believe. Uh, yeah. And then Canada produced used to produce some fantastic speakers. Paradigm were made were made in Mississauga. I don't think we're known for the still in business. Uh, but no, with the Canadian audio market, uh, as a, as an old man uh, audiophile, uh, was actually quite uh, vibrant. As was the British audio uh, visual uh, primary audio market. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we still do really well with a number of uh, brands that are made in Canada. Uh, you know, we've got Totem Acoustic, which is one of our big speaker lines. Uh, made well, they're, Canadian. The made, they're Canadian. They're yeah, Canadian. They're made in Montreal. Most of the stuff nice. is made in their facility in Montreal. Uh, we do with Bryston, which is Peterborough. All the stuff is made there in Peterborough. Bryston's oh, kind cool. of a competitor of Macintosh. They've been around since the 1960s, oh. so they're still yeah, in I know Peterborough the brand. to this day. Uh, we deal with other brands like NAD, which is, uh, you know, the stuff's made offshore, but the engineering is done here. And uh, they also do a, a streaming line called Blue Sound. Uh, so this is Pickering we're talking about now, so very local. But the point is, is most of those brands have at least some pieces of their puzzle that come from offshore. So, of course, if there's a shortage, it still holds things up. So even even with a speaker that's made in Canada, I have jobs on the go right now where we're waiting you know many many weeks for some widget that's needed in order to finish off these speakers even though they're made in canada so even canadian lines are not uh, are feeling the impact of a lot of these shortages from elsewhere in the world let's talk vinyl uh we're gonna go a quick break and get back with ryan wright of babler radio and audiovisual specialist primarily home install surround sound system but uh, he knows his stuff indeed he does and he too is an audiophile and i love music so let's uh continue the discussion right after the break money. let's take a break but after wolf and jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening, my friends. It is Saturday night. Crank it up, full tilt, all that good stuff. We're talking money. The show's called Hi-Fi Radio. 
course, I love music and help keep your interest and uh, well, give it a little zing. Indeed, we do. We're talking with uh, Ryan Wright, a Babler Radio Audiovisual Specialist. Uh, it is the season of giving and uh, electronics always on the list for someone in your household. Uh, it, it really is incredible, Ryan. Uh, you know, again, I'm going to take you back to vintage Toronto, the 70s, the 80s, when I used to walk up and down Young Street and go record shopping, looking for the best deals. Where can I find, uh, you know, uh, Stairway to Heaven or Zeppelin 4? It'll be up on the wall on Sam's at $4.99. I'll take that. Take it home as warped. Oh, I have to take it back. Hated the warped vinyl. And vinyl actually got cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. Thinner, thinner, thinner. Then all of a sudden, they stopped making the stuff almost. I think there are a few presses left in the world, maybe one or two. And all of a sudden, the, the new vinyl that's available today is incredibly uh, durable. Uh, beautiful stuff. Um, how is the vinyl business? Again, uh, I, I can certainly see to, with with the tech enthusiast, you know, once you go digital, it's pretty hard to go back because it is so much easier to access all of your wonderful tunes of yesterday. Uh, not the same experience, but still a fun experience. I'm just loving my new car and listening to, you know, some disco, <laughs> Ryan. Uh, talk, talk to that. Let's, let's, let's talk vinyl. Sure. Um, I mean, it's funny. One of the things that's come up for so many years is people asking, you know, like, why does vinyl even sound better? Like, that's that's one of the questions I've probably had hundreds of times because people aren't really sure as to why. Um, and so, I don't know if you like, I can I can cover that. Yeah, in a very, yeah of course, you know, please. Condensed. Um, so, in the early 1980s, when Philips and Sony were coming up with the CD standard. Uh, they realized that if they didn't have any compression at all in the signal, then they'd get less than 20 minutes of music on a CD, which they obviously knew would never fly, having to change three or four discs in order to get through an album. So then they had to work backwards and figure, well, what's the longest album in Sony's catalog at the time, which was a Beethoven Symphony. And so that's where the 74-minute standard came, where they, they kind of compressed it down to a point where you could get 74 minutes on a disc versus less than 20 with no compression. So as a result, they had to throw away some information at the higher and lower uh, end of the spectrum in order to fit 74 minutes on a disc. So that's the simplest explanation. So when you talk about vinyl, you're talking about something where nothing has been thrown away. So, you know, is all vinyl sound great? Absolutely not. You're hearing what they did in the studio. Is it possible for it to sound like magic? Absolutely. So if you have a, uh, you know, a decent to, to good system, like a good turntable, pair of speakers, an amplifier, and you put on a piece of vinyl that's in good shape, that's been, been well-maintained, uh, I mean, the sound that you can get is absolutely like, you know, hard to produce in the digital realm, although there is some digital that can rival it. Uh, certainly not iTunes or any of that stuff or internet radio, but it's something that just, it's hard to put a finger on what it is about the sound. It's just so uh, enthralling and so amazing. But when you get it right, and it's not always right, but when you get it right, it's, it's, it's absolute magic. Uh, let's talk Macintosh, uh, the stereo uh, components. Mm -hmm. what, what is a, a fine Macintosh system worth? Speakers, amp, uh, if, I'm not sure there's still a preamp with it. And, and of course, a turntable, uh, perhaps a streaming system as well. What would that cost you for uh, a high-end Macintosh system? Well, I, 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 if I'm thinking 30 grand, I, am I, yeah, how far off am I? You're not far off. Macintosh has a, a, an extraordinarily diverse range, but let's put it this way. If we look at, let's say, an entry-level integrated amplifier or receiver, receiver just means it has a radio in it versus no radio, 
and you add a Macintosh turntable because they have three different turntables. And then you added, they're not really so much, in my opinion, the, the forefront of speakers. There's other brands you typically buy, Bowers & Wilkins, Totem, a number of others. So let's say you put together a system more on the entry-level side of what their turntable, their amplifier, and a pair of speakers, you're going to be starting it in the 20 to 25 range. Um, and then, of course, it can go way north of 100 because there's all kinds of different combinations of higher-end power amps, monoblocks. I mean, it, it, it goes pretty deep when you get into their separate preamps and power amps. So you, you can easily get into 50, 100 without even batting an eye. So it's uh, the, the, the highest amount of sales that I see is, is just getting into an integrated amplifier or receiver, which would be under 10 grand for the majority. You know, there's a number of them under 10 grand. And then you add your turntable, which their starter turntable is uh, 7 grand, believe it or not. Their high-end one is almost 17. And wow. then you add a pair of properly matched speakers. So a lot of times we're doing a, a Macintosh amplifier or receiver and then some other brand of turntable and a pair of speakers to keep the cost a little more reasonable because they've always, um, you know, they've always lusted at the idea of having a Mac amplifier, which has that unique look with those cool uh, green and blue lights that we know of and the LED meters and all that. And then in order to avoid having to spend seven grand or greater on a Mac turntable, they'll go with something else that might only be a grand or a couple of grand just to, just to achieve that, that level without getting into such a deep uh, cost. But obviously we have pretty we exciting. tons of other brands, but it's, it's, a, it's definitely something to behold. No two ways about it. Is, is Macintosh a privately held company? Correct. Because a couple of stocks I watch in your space, uh, Ryan, just for fun. Uh, and, and they've both done very, very well. Um, one is Dolby, Dolby Prologix, uh, you know, founded by Ray Dolby. And Do Dolby Sound continues to, well, he continues to clip royalties on units sold. It, it, the, 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 that is very exciting to me. And the other one is a Sonos, a uh, speaker company, as you know. Um, so, so speak to, if you, if you can, those two products. Speak to Sonos uh, as a product, your opinion of the product and the business. And also speak to Dolby. Where, where do we still find Dolby? Uh, how is he making money in your opinion? What, what components does that sit in? Well, Dolby's a decoding format that's found in all pretty much every AV receiver. So when someone's doing a surround sound type receiver, then you're going to have a Dolby processor in there that decodes 5.1 sound or even beyond that, something called Dolby Atmos. So that that's where Dolby weaves its way into my world uh, far and away the most. It used to be into noise reduction on cassette decks and all of that, which is obviously not relevant so much anymore. So it's the AV receiver world that is the biggest uh, player. Of course, Blu-ray players have the you know the capability of dealing with Dolby as well. TVs have some Dolby in the way of something called Dolby Vision, which is affecting your picture. So it's uh, it's something that definitely weaves its way into surround sound and TVs and Blu-ray players and that sort of thing. In the case, still of relevant. Sonos, That's great. Yeah, well, it's still relevant, absolutely, just in a different way than when I was a kid where it was Dolby Noise B and C on a cassette deck. So I'm dating myself a little bit there. Uh, Sonos. Let's date. Is, Let's date. I'm okay with yeah. that. <laughs> Sonos has uh, become a huge player in the audio video industry. They essentially created a category. They've been around for about 20 years now. A lot of people don't realize that. Bay Blur has been dealing with them for probably 17, I think, now. Uh, I've had some Sonos at home for probably pushing 15 years myself. Um, so the long and the short of it is that the 
They make everything from speakers that are, you know, they're all controlled with, a, with an app that you can use on your smartphone, your tablet, or your desktop computer, your laptop computer. So you can stream things like internet radio, streaming services like Spotify and Tidal and, and uh, those kind of things. And, and you're using any number of products that they make, which will appear as zones on your app. And they make everything from, uh, quote unquote, wireless speakers. They're not completely wireless, so they have to plug in. But they have wireless speakers. They have sound bars that can tie in with your TV that also stream music. They have small amplifiers that run with wires, uh, ceiling speakers, outdoor speakers, that type of thing. And they also have something that plugs into your stereo, your traditional amplifier, which we still sell systems with using those all the time. Something that connects with a set of your normal red and white RCA cables into your amplifier. And that allows you to play Sonos through your traditional stereo system. So in a, a common, it's not uncommon in a house where you might have a good stereo in one room uh, with an amp and a good pair of speakers that's going to have the best sound for your money. You have a Sonos port that plugs into that. You might have a Sonos amp running your, your wired outdoor speakers. You might have a couple of Sonos wireless speakers in your kids' rooms. Uh, might you have a sound bar in a small room with a TV. So there's any number of things that are part wow. of your ecosystem. Uh, that can tie into a house where you have, you know, many houses have 5, 10, even 15 zones uh, on their app for, uh, throughout their house and their patio and the pool area and all kinds of areas. So it's, uh, it relies on Wi-Fi for control, but it's, if the Wi-Fi is good, then it works, uh, it works quite well. Um, Ryan, what do I need for my system at home to be able to stream now my, my iTunes? In other words, I have just an old classic stereo. Uh, CD player, uh, tuner on it, uh, amplifier, yep. turntable. Yep. Uh, so I, I need a component so I can now, obviously, uh, the stream music. Uh, so so yep. what does I need to buy? Well, much like I have, I have something called a Sonos port that plugs in. So it's a component that plugs in with just red and white RCA cables, the same cables you would have used for a tape deck or a CD player. So I, can put, I, put in into my, any, I plug it into my auxiliary? Yeah, any unused analog input. So auxiliary would be fine. And then no. once that's plugged in, then you simply select auxiliary on your dial on your amp, and then you open up your app and you start listening to internet radio or your Apple Music, uh, so forth. And uh, you know there are other things that are out there that compete with it for music lovers. You know, Blue Sound would be the big one. Uh, no question, Sonos is still the the biggest player in that space. No two ways about that. So a Sonos port would be one. There is another way that some people go where they're not interested in doing multi-room audio. In other words, they're not interested in doing uh, sound in different rooms of their house, all controlled with one yeah, app. No, no, you know, I do. So Sorry, you, I have to interrupt. I have 200, 200 watts of beautiful uh, power, baby. And so all I do is I just turn it up to 11. Uh, the house is done. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> one zone, <laughs> but so yes. So Jack, what about you? Uh, you? You just got yourself some new toys in your basement. Yeah, when the kids are watching the movies, that's for sure. That's when they turn it up. So uh, the floor is <laughs> rattling when the uh, when the kids start rocking and, and watching some of their uh, yeah different movies that they like. Uh, but are you are you streaming, uh, Jack? Do you have one of those Sonos boxes as well? No, I don't have a Sonos box. No, I'm not at that level. I just went with the basic so Costco special. Yeah, what's it going to cost so, me to get to get to get a sonar or to get a box on top of my? I assume it's just a box, like the size of a de uh, the size of my um, uh, CD player. I bought the any no, I bought the NAT CD player, by the way, from you less, guys. Less than half the size of that. It's uh, half the, oh, it's half thin. the width it's, of your oh. CD player. It's a very small, very small. It's oh. less than half the depth. Half, I would say half the width, a little bit less in height. So it's a very small piece. I mean, there is another way you could go, which is even simpler for some people, where they only have one zone. 
and that's a good sounding Bluetooth uh, little box that plugs in with, again, those same RCA cables into the auxiliary. And then you're pairing your phone via Bluetooth to that little box. So there's units that are out there that are, that are you know, actually sound quite good that work on Bluetooth. It's just the downside on Bluetooth is you have to be within roughly 30 feet with your phone or your tablet. If you go to the other side of your house with the phone, then the sound would cut out in that room because Bluetooth has a, a hard cap. But if you're not trying to do multi-zone audio, Bluetooth's another way, and it's actually less money, and it still sounds quite good. A Bay Street question for you. Uh, who is Bluetooth public or private? Well, Bluetooth is just a protocol. Bluetooth is a protocol. And who owns it? Who, who, owns it? who owns it? To be honest with you, I've never even, all these years, I've never even given that a second thought, to be honest. All right. Homework assignment for Jack. Jack. Oh, homework uh, assignment. During the break, yeah. you, Jack's going to let, let us know after the break who well, owns I, I think that's like saying who owns the internet, Wolf. I think that's like saying who owns the internet. I don't know. Not... Maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh, we, shall, yeah. we, shall, we shall look into it. Uh, we've got to go to break, my good friends. Ryan Wright. I wish you the best this season. Friends, if you ever think about doing an audio-visual installation into your home, uh, there is no one other than Ryan Wright of Bay Floor Radio. Uh, quick break. Get right back to the show, and we're going to talk stock charts with Don Velo, man of over 40 years of experience. It's going to be great. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the fire is so delightful Since we've no place to go Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow Why would it snow? Sell when it goes. Don Velo, market technician, tech talk, 40 years of experience, frequent guest on Hi-Fi Radio, uh, has joined us this evening. Uh, Don is very much into market seasonality. Um, he's also a, uh, chartered, uh, technician. I'm going to throw it to you, Don. What are you seeing in the charts? What stands out? Stuff that looks higher, stuff that looks lower. Yeah. I just mentioned buy when it snows, sell when it goes means that usually markets in North America go higher from around the end of November or end of October, I should say, right through until April of each year. So that's markets are following that pattern once again. Uh, but there's a bit, of, a bit of a blip during the last 10 days. Uh, there's a thing called the Omicron variant that's had a significant impact on equity markets right around the world. You've seen uh, the S&P 500 and the TSE composite drop very quickly by about 5% within 10 days. That's huge. The markets have gone from being overbought on an intermediate basis to being oversold. Markets oversold, in your opinion? Yes, based on the percentage of stocks trading above the 50-day moving average, we saw that going for the TSC stocks from 77% uh, being above the 50-day moving average to 22%. That was a huge drop in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, fascinating. You have all kinds of charts in your mind and in front of you there. What's really catching your attention right now in terms of equities? Individual yeah, what names. You're, what you're seeing right now is typical. It's uh, year-end tax loss selling pressures. Let's face it, most people have done very well with their investments in uh, the year 2021. 
the uh, TSE is up 20%. The uh, S&P 500 is up about, five, about 25%. So people are looking for ways of reducing their tax liability. So they're looking for stocks that have gone down to get rid of those before the end of the year. And there are a few, not very many, but there are a few. I guess most notably the marijuana stocks, uh, the gold stocks, and Chinese stocks. These are all stocks which have not made money in 2021, and they continue to be under tax law selling pressures, particularly during the next couple of weeks. You know, I looked at weed just the other day, um, Canopy Growth, stock's $12. Uh, this stock was in its heyday. Uh, let me just pull that puppy up there. That was a $75 stock, my good friends, <laughs> 12 bucks. But again, I, want, I, I, I ask, down at these levels, Don, as an investor, are you, would you not be more inclined to be a buyer rather than a seller? Uh, and in your opinion, between now and year end, how much more downward pressure on a stock like weed could you expect? Very good question. Very timely as well, because historically, these stocks which have been hit the most during the tax loss selling uh, time are the ones that rebound the strongest after tax loss selling pressures are off. So that means uh, things like uh, the Chinese stocks, which are really in the, in the hole, are probably going to bounce very nicely coming into late December into January. Gold stocks are certainly in that category as well. And, uh, of course, the weed stocks, as you mentioned, they are really under uh, a lot of technical pressure because of tax loss selling pressures. But they also are going to be a candidate for recovery as we get into the, uh, the favorable period between December the 14th and January the 6th. I'll tell you, an idea that came to uh, our attention, I meaning the, the office of the Wolf on Bay Street, where my right-hand man, Jack Hartle, is always there by my side, uh, has been, for, from a value point of view, from an opportunistic point of view, uh, these marijuana stocks could be setting up a really good buying opportunity. Uh, Jack, I want you to speak to that, and specifically uh, how we have been taught and told to play the space briefly. Yeah, like you said, Wolf, we've been looking at the, the cannabis space and you really had the big run up in 20, I think it was 2018. And then like the big sell off that you're seeing now. And, you know, you really want to focus on and coming from our analyst perspective uh, in the cannabis space, you know, it's the large cap multi-state operators in the States. They're going to have the biggest markets um, if and when, uh, you know, U.S. cannabis gets legalized and it's obviously not federally legalized, but uh, that's the big opportunity that we see. And then there's a few smaller cap Canadian names that I think are, are analysts like as well. Yeah, we have to do some more work in the space and we are going to do some more work in the space. Uh, and perhaps with a bit of my mad money, uh, dabble into a bit of the weed category because we really haven't been uh, participating in that space and uh, for, for, for a very good reason. I, well, what happened, I did anticipate to happen. It was such a mania and uh, people had to get hurt. Uh, hey, Don, so speaking of mania, uh, and again, you're, you're a chart technician, Bitcoin, crypto. Uh, what's, what's your take on that? With Please, nothing but compliments extended with that statement. Yeah, I haven't uh, looked at the uh, crypto chart uh, that, that much. Uh, it's been very volatile during the last little while. But if it works uh, pretty well with what uh, gold does, for example, this time of year, you'll probably see a bounce in the crypto sector coming up around the latter half of uh, December. Uh, why does gold do that? Because I can see why crypto is trading off of gold and uh, sort of, uh, you know, monetary authorities printing too much money, conspiracy theories, get away from the government, all, all that speak. Uh, but there is a lot more to crypto than, than there is to gold 
Uh, and this gold has some aspects that crypto doesn't have. Uh, but, but why does gold tend to rally uh, towards the back end of the month? And why do you think crypto is going to follow suit? Well, that's the, uh, in the case of gold, it has a very strong seasonal pattern from around the middle of December right through until approximately the end of February. But it's not just gold. It's, it's something else is happening right around the end of the year. It's the typical year-end rally. I call it the Christmas or the Santa Claus rally. And it's getting lined up very nicely uh, this year once again. Well, with a pullback, I would feel a little more confident. You know, two weeks ago when the market was making, again, virtual new highs, and they were talking about another 6% with the Santa Claus rally tacked on top, I became very doubtful. And sure enough, then, uh, yeah, you had the variant. And as Kathleen, my wife, put it, she said the market was just looking for an excuse and perhaps the, the variant hit, hit the scene and the market obviously became very volatile in the last few days, I shall say. Um, what else, Don, on the charts? What has you excited? Where do you think we can make some money from an investment point of view? So we're speaking a few years as opposed to a few quarters. Yeah. Uh, see, what happens at this time of year, because the uh, environment, if we're, uh, the markets are very good to, uh, from March or from December 14th to January 6th, markets generally move higher and for God, lots of very good reasons. And it tends to be the economically sensitive stock sectors that do uh, best during that period. So what happens during this period from uh, December 14th to January 6th? Well, consumers are in a good holiday mood. Well, that certainly helps equity markets. People receive their employee bonuses at this time, and some of that money goes into equity markets. The tax loss selling pressures are ending at that time. So without tax loss selling pressures, stock prices go higher. Institutional investors, they usually take their holidays in the last two weeks in December. That means the retail investor had control of the markets, and retail investors are bullish. And last but not least, investment dealers release their bullish year-end reports, having the best investment opportunities for the year. So we're getting lined up right around the middle of December for a really good move this year, right through the next three weeks after that. That's an interesting list, Don. Uh, okay, yeah, can we um, take our training hats off, put on our Warren Buffett hats? Because Jack and I, as we get older, uh, I think we're starting to think more and more like Buffett. Uh, own a whole company, so to speak. Focus on what you own. So, so I, to do so, you have to obviously be in the right space. Um, and, and that is so important. In your opinion, over the next 10 years, what do you think is going to be one of the must be in spaces. Yeah, 10 years is a long time. I probably wouldn't go quite that far, but there are things which are happening right now which uh, are, I think, uh, going to have a, a direct impact on equity markets probably the next two to three years. And that is we're starting to see uh, commodity prices starting to move significantly higher, partly because of inflation, but also because of things like the infrastructure program coming up in the United States. A lot of money being spent on on things which are made, uh, it'll be steel or copy, copper. Uh, these are the uh, stocks that are probably going to outperform the market at least the next two to three years. Interesting. If it falls on your foot and hurts, you probably want to own it, according to Dennis Gartman. Uh, it is Hi-Fi Radio, Wolfgang Klein, Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers, a uh, very wise friend of mine, Mr. Don Velo. Don is a good-hearted man. He, uh, in his spare time, drives cancer patients uh, for treatment uh, back and forth. Quick break, get right back to Hi-Fi Radio. Money.
Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It was Christmas in prison and the food was real good. We had turkey and pistols carved out of wood. Bill John Prime for you, my friends. Make you feel melancholy, eh? Maybe a little humbling. Why not? And if you feel humbled and you want to continue to feel better, give. Give back. Uh, so many great causes. And again, friends, we've been talking about how successful investors have been this year. All you had to do was be invested. Yeah, and the right stuff, and that would help. But you, just had, you had to own stuff. If you're out of the market, you didn't make any money. Uh, scratch your head, gee whiz, I missed a great opportunity. You did miss a great opportunity. You got to be there. But uh, if you were there and you want to keep the market gods on your side, give back. Uh, you have till the end of the month to get yourself your tax receipt. And, well, that will save you if you're uh, a high flyer. It doesn't. All Canadians are today. It doesn't take much to be a high flyer. In Canada, the, the bar is low. But you'll basically get 45% of your donation back. And guess what? If you donate stock as opposed to giving cash, stock that is appreciated in value, you don't have to pay the capital gain on the stock. You get full market value uh, in recognition of the uh, donation uh, as your receipt, and away you go. So give back, my good friends, and trust me, you will become richer in so many ways. Part of this show is to give you some information for free, and uh, we like to give back. Jack and I. Absolutely. And like you said, Wolf, this is the time of giving and uh, you can do it through stock certificates. And we're seeing a lot of that now, actually, with the, uh, the appreciation of client stocks uh, looking for the opportunity to make, you know, charitable donations to whatever cause uh, you're looking to support. Correct. Uh, Mr. Don Velo, uh, my good friend, market technician. Um, we're talking stock charts, but we're also trying to get into more longer term investing. Uh, I think it makes things a little easier for um Canadian investors, I shall say, buy good stuff and hang on to it. So, so on that theme, uh, Don, uh, what's catching your attention? Yeah, it's it's a whole area actually in the world, and specifically in the Far East, uh, the uh, uh, companies that are producing goods in places like China and Vietnam and, and Taiwan. These are the companies that are uh, growing very rapidly. And if you think about it, this is going to be the growth area in the world over the next two to three years, especially because the Far East is growing very rapidly relative to any major area in the world. So that means that you should consider uh, two kinds of investments. One is you can invest directly into, uh, say, Chinese equities or Vietnam equities or the related ETFs, or you can buy uh, uh, securities in U.S. and Canada which are going to benefit from the growth in China and Vietnam and, and Taiwan. Uh, a good example is the uh, uh, demand for uh, forest products, lumber, for example, is rising very rapidly over in China. And they need more lumber and plywood, and that's going to help uh, our lumber and plywood stocks. They need more steel. So they're going to be buying more steel from uh, Canadian and U.S. companies. They need more copper and zinc and things like that. Anything that's related to the base metal sector. 
they are increasing their demand for these products, and that is going to help uh, stocks related to those sectors as well. So the commodities theme, the nickel theme, uh, the uranium theme, I really like, by the way, Don Nutrient. Um, there's a stock that I think uh, Canadian investors should buy and put away. And I'm going to say the same for the railway stocks, although they haven't been acting very well lately. Uh, I think they are good buy and hold type candidates. What's your opinion? Yeah, I think you're onto something here. Uh, uh, Nutrient, for example, is, is provides a fertilizer for uh, helping agriculture. And the demand for agriculture goods in China in particular is going high, higher very, very rapidly. So that means that uh, companies like Nutrient will do very well. Uh, all the fertilizer stocks should do very well under that scenario. There's also something else. There's something happening in the next little while which should help uh, Chinese stocks in particular. It's called the Olympics. The Olympics are going to be held uh, in Beijing on February 1st, starting then, and that, that's going to create increase uh, interest in, uh, in what China is doing from an economic point of view. So that should help. Also, you know, it's amazing, Don. So I know about China, uh, and Jack and I have a small sleeve of uh, emerging markets, uh, China as well. Uh, so we own the Fixie, FXI. It's an ETF, my good friends, primarily mainland China stocks um, or companies. Sorry, a lot of Hong Kong companies there too. Uh, it pays a dividend of 2%. So it's a blue chip way of getting exposure. And that said, we're down on the trade. Uh, I, I've never made money trading this instrument. Uh, I, but I know in my heart, if I buy it and close my eyes for a decade, it will play out. The key with China, I found, and these emerging markets, you have to buy it when no one wants it. So the market has not been favorable to the theme that Don is telling us is setting itself up to actually have a good move next year. Am I putting two and two together here, Don and Jack? Yeah, you're under something here. That FXI looks uh, particularly interesting. It's come down a long way since it's forming a base pattern on the charts. And uh, now it's entering its period of, of seasonal strength. And for good reason. Yeah, no, so, sorry, and sorry, Joe, I want to stop. I have to interrupt you, John. I, I, I don't want to come across rude, but this is an important point here. Because on our previous guest, uh, we were just, and, and we talked with uh, you on it as well, we were talking about tax loss selling. So that was you in our last interview. We we're talking about tax loss selling. So selling stuff that is down. To, to, to crystallize a lost offset against your gains. I'm going to go back to, I advise against that with something like Fixie, the, the Chinese index. You're, you're selling it here is basically like selling it near what I think is a high probable bottom. Don exactly. just mentioned on the charts, the logic tells me that, uh, so think the opposite. Uh, you, you need to buy this stuff if you don't have exposure to it, but certainly if you own it, don't sell it. Be patient. Wait a couple of years. I think uh, the train is coming into your station. Don? Uh, you're on to something there. A good example is look at FXI. It uh, is not only oversold, but it has a period of seasonal strength between now and uh, and April. And uh, it's great to layup. believe that the, the sector is going to do very well. So FXI is a large chunk of it is in the bank stocks. But there's also something else. He's getting close to Chinese New Year, and historically, FXI has a nice move just between now and the beginning of Chinese New Year, which is on February the 1st. So oh, that's interesting. On, could could be a trading come. opportunity. So you got, the, you got the Olympics, you got New Year, uh, you got the reopening, you got the, the infrastructure bill out of America. 
my friends, there's a lot to be optimistic about. Uh, it's exciting times. Uh, May you live in them. I uh, want to wish you all a great weekend. Don Velo, thank you very much for your generous time. Jack Hartle, uh, great job lining up the guests as always and being my wingman, a man I can trust so very, very much. Uh, my friends, stay safe. Uh, be healthy. Give, give, give. We'll help you get. More show each and every Saturday night. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.